Sports and Ladies, the following World of the Crossing Tag Team Match is scheduled for one fall and is for the King of the North Championship. Introducing first, being led to the ring by their manager Greyland from Winterfell, weighing in at a combined weight of 290 pounds, Rob and Catalan Star. <laughs> And their opponents, from parts unknown, weighing in at 280 pounds, Waldo Frey and Bruce Bolton. Wedding, 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 wedding. Guys, weddings are a happy occasion, okay? Aren't they? They're supposed to be two people uh, who love each other joining forces to defeat evil. I wish weddings were for evil defeating. That would be <laughs> quite magical. We're glad that you joined us on the show today. This is a very special moment for all of us. We've made it. We've reached it. We're here. The Red Wedding. Micah, do you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> you finally read it. Yeah, it's a different... Uh position for me to be in here you know it was something that i think um actually a couple of the listeners brought up in the own section but it was an event that was so long in coming for sullied individuals and they did such a great job of keeping it from those who had yet to read the books at least you know, those who had seen it in the show. And uh, I remember all the video reactions, all those mm-hmm. horrible people who <laughs> were taping their friends unknowingly. Oh, God. I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of those people wondered, why? Why, are th- why is my friend taping me with that camera? <laughs> it's not Saturday night. Oh. Anyway, uh, it's such a, a different uh, entity in the books. Obviously, uh, the visual of it on TV uh, was taken up several notches um, because mm-hmm. of certain scenes and just the actual visualization of seeing something as extreme as the Red Wedding. Uh, but in the books, it's, I think, just as shocking. Shocking, it most certainly is. Today we received a hefty amount of owns. You did not disappoint. Those of you at home that are playing really showed up today. It was nice to hear from everybody getting what they're getting their owns in, getting their and they're, they're diverse too. I was reading through them earlier, and and there's different owns enough enough in here forever. There's enough in this chapter and in the Arya chapter that follows for an army of owns. Mm-hmm. Really, it's interesting because we, at least I feel like we've been with these two characters, Catelyn and Arya, for for a while now. It, it seems like the story has solely focused, at least in the last several chapters that we've read. Mm-hmm. On this storyline and getting to this moment. Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about that because this growing sense of dread that Catelyn's feeling like I can't imagine reading the book for the first time, not having seen the show and thinking that anything else was was going to happen, thinking that Rob could possibly make it through this alive. Um, even in this chapter, like Catelyn still has some hope for for mercy from Walder Frey, but it's just it should have been obvious because of how she's just been in her head lately about how 
terrible, basically from the ride there to the twins where it was just raining constantly, all through the last Catelyn chapter, which we read just on the last episode where uh, Walder is giving them shit the whole time, to today's episode. She's still kind of holding out hope for uh, mercy for basically her life. And uh, I think it's it should be clear uh, that that's not going to happen. The drums were pounding, 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 and her head with them. Pipes wailed and flutes trilled from the musician's gallery at the foot of the hall. Fiddles screeched, horns blew, the skins skirled a lively tune, but the drumming drove them all. The sounds echoed off the rafters, whilst the guests ate, drank, and shouted at one another below. Walder Frey must be deaf as a stone to call this music. <laughs> Catelyn sipped a cup of wine and watched Jingle Bell prance to the sounds of Alisan. At least she thought it was meant to be Alisan. With these players, it might as easily have been the bear and the maiden fair. Outside, the rain still fell, but within the twins, the air was thick and hot. A fire roared in the hearth, and rows of torches burned smokily from iron sconces on the walls. Yet most of the heat came off the bodies of the wedding guests, jammed in so thick along the benches that every man who tried to lift his cup poked his neighbor in the ribs. Even on the dais, they were closer than Catelyn would have liked. She had been placed between Sir Ryman Frey and Roose Bolton, and had gotten a good noseful of both. Sir Ryman drank as if Westeros was about to run short of wine, <laughs> and sweated it all out under his arms. He had bathed in lemon water, she judged, mm. but no lemon could mask so much sour sweat. Roose Bolton had a sweeter smell to him, yet no more pleasant. He sipped hippograss in preference to wine or mead, and ate but little. Catalan could not fault him for his lack of appetite. The wedding feast began with a thin leek soup, followed by a salad of green beans, onions, and beets, river pike poached in almond milk, mm, mounds of mashed turnips that were cold before they reached the table, jellied calves' brains, and a lesh of stringy beef. It was poor fare to set before a king, and the calves' brains turned Catelyn's stomach. Yet Rob ate it uncomplaining, and her brother was too caught up with his bride to pay much attention. Guys, we're here to celebrate the union. Of Tully and Frey. With calves' brains. Mm. Hey-o. Delicious. And dead fish. Temple of Doom, anyone? <laughs> Temp right? <laughs> Monkey brains. Oh, it's very good. Delicious. Very good. <laughs> Sit on this little pillow on the floor. And Dr. while you're Jones. there, tell your father that time. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. There it is. And I've stopped the clock. <laughs> Two things actually stood out to me in that reading. And I'm sure it did for you guys as well. The first being that... Mr. Bolton is not into much wine this evening. Yes. He's in no uh, mood to really drink and didn't really eat as well. He might be a little nervous given his role later Could on this evening. Could that be his conscience? Is this man human? Perhaps he wants to stay sharp. Ah, there's that. Yes. you. Well, that's actually a good point, though. Uh, and it could be a little bit of, of, of a misleading note that... You would expect somebody who is as high-ranking as Roose Bolton, at least to Rob, to remain sharp and mm -hmm. to be in a position that should anything happen, he's there to take the lead and, and step in and protect Rob. Little do we know that that's not really his 
intent and why he's looking to be sharp. It's actually for the exact opposite reason. Whilst the great John drinks the rest of the wedding party underneath <laughs> all of their collective tables. <laughs> of course. Including every Frey with the bravery to step up. Frey bravery isn't something that we normally speak about no. on this program, but I'd have to say that <laughs> the few who did decide to step up against the great John and his drinking competition skills uh, were very brave, and they lost very, very hard. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing was just the note that it was uh, poor fare to set before a king those calves' brains, but... It's just additional insult to Rob and the fact that uh, Walder Frey can serve him the brains of a small cow is pretty disgusting. Well, he Even eats in those it. times. Yeah. <laughs> he does eat it. Well, it's not the maggots that like he talked about. <laughs> the Westerosian version of sushi? Perhaps. Probably. With less the Greyjoys. I did want to mention one thing that I also thought stood out. Actually, two things. The rain is still falling. That's mm-hmm. very, very small but ominous as we know from the previous chapter but also that and this is a quote from catlin that was previously read with these players it might as easily have been the bear and the maiden fair these musicians are quite unskilled comparatively speaking to what should be at a wedding of these (laughs) kinds of people perhaps they're more trained in the art of war than they are in (laughs) the art of music making right like let's 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 actually uh take our best skilled uh crossbowmen and give them like a day or two of playing the the flute or the, the lute, yeah. just just to mask the you know their ineptitude a little bit, and we'll teach them the three songs that are pop hits right now, you know, Billboard right. top three, and uh, they'll just blunder through it. It's it's funny because the band is still it still just remains hidden because you know underneath the idea that the fray that Walder is either deaf or that this is furthering the insult. Yeah, when really right. it's it's masking that no these guys aren't exactly band members. At it's all. hard to tell though because nothing about the phrase has ever been opulent. You know, it's it's they're they're what a word complete <laughs> contrast word. to the Lannisters. You know, if the Lannisters have a wedding, everything is going to be you know very high end. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the twins, yeah, you think doves about in the your phrase, cake. <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily make sense for them to have a band of individuals who knew how to play the songs the right way or in in, in the right chord or be serving the best food possible to Cuz they're kind of trashy to begin with is that what you're guess. saying? Certainly better than this though. Certainly yeah. better than this. I think we have a little bit of hindsight here though that allows right. us to analyze this with a bit of a different lens than maybe we would if we were reading this for the first time. That's true. I mean, I'm I'm trying to I'm kind of longing for the wedding that would have been if uh, if if Rob had not broken the promise and had not betrayed Walter Frey. Um, you know, to come here, I I feel like things would be a little bit more uh, together and, and nice. Yeah. Well, like you know, this is a this is all a cover just to kill everybody, to get everybody in and kill everybody. But uh, I feel like Walter Frey himself would would have been much more pleasant, and uh, Rob probably would have chosen. I mean, the the same uh, woman, this Rosalind that uh, Edmure got, because he would have had a, he would have had his choice of Frey daughters, and you know who knows what would have. Uh, it's interesting to know. I don't know what happens to Walder Frey as a consequence of this act. Let's assume that it's terrible and awesome, and you know he gets what he deserves. But I don't know, and so all I can hope is, well, I, I just I like to kind of think of the alternate uh, what what could have happened here. Right. But instead, we got what we got. And we knew what was coming. Yeah, thanks for 
thanks that for that show for easing easing the blow. Like I, again, I don't know because we we didn't have that opportunity to, or at least I didn't. And uh, Zach, you can speak to it, but yeah, like to read the book first. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw we saw the show, we saw this on the show, and so reading it, it feels like it should have been that people should have seen it coming that I should have, you know, if I were ever reading it for the first time, I should have seen it coming, but now I can't, I don't, I'll never really know is I guess what I'm trying to say, whether or not I would have seen it coming in the book because it is everything we mentioned in the last couple of chapter discussions about Bolton, uh, talking to Jamie and his conversation, as well as just all the times that Catelyn feels senses of foreboding. It's almost like a sad drinking game uh, where you're guaranteed to fall over because of how often she feels terrible. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty scary. But then for it to actually happen and actually play out in the text of this chapter, you do gain respect for what Martin had to do. And he built it up, but that's just good writing. Yeah. This yes. chapter ebbs and it flows. Uh immediately began to feel incredibly uncomfortable. Not after the sour man and his lemon bath, but after the circumstances in which Greywin was barred from the wedding. I felt mm-hmm. that it was expressly disrespectful to give the king such a strong order, especially when it comes down. Like if someone told me that I couldn't bring strike to a wedding uh, and it were like, you know, a wedding that I was, a, <laughs> I was the king and it was a guest of honor and officially invited to, I'd be like, well, we'll go to a different gathering and celebrate from afar, maybe via satellite because, you know, he's, he's, he's with me and then gray ones with Rob and they're connected mm-hmm. in many ways. And the reasoning was not sound. Right. And what Martin does such a, good job of is it's all rational thought though it is even when john or i was gonna say john rob's men get sent to the other side it makes sense like okay we yeah. don't have the space for them they can go they, they can have their wine they can have their celebration but they can't come into the castle you know gray wind he almost uh ended up hurting one of Walder Frey's grandsons but not so young peter he, he fell off the horse you know <laughs> i mean that but killed my wife. Sense. One of my it, wives died that way. Yeah, he goes, no, no harm, the king says. No harm. Peter fell from his horse. Fell. I lost a wife the same way. Falling. Or was she just some strumpet? Bastard Walder's mother. Yes, now I recall. <laughs> she fell and cracked her head. So he, you're right, Mikey. He does have a sound reason. I just feel like this, after, you know, the way we, we know how the entrance went. And as stories sometimes painfully do this to us, we can't quite have other characters see what we saw or hear what we heard. And it, it kind of pains us when things are misinterpreted, but that's not necessarily what's happening in this case. This was a very strategic decision, decision not to have uh, the wolf nearby when things go down. Yeah, oh, of course, because Greywin would have not sat idle. We'll say yeah, that. Yeah. Greywin can get through all the armor that they're wearing. At least some of the, the male, the guys in male, Bruce mm-hmm. Bolton wouldn't have walked out of there. Um, but uh, I, I wanted to say, we just mentioned uh, Walder Frey barring Grey Wind, and I wanted to quote this. Uh, this is Walder Frey saying, What would your grace do if Peter had broken his neck? Heh, give me another apology in place of a grandson. No, no, no. <laughs> He's talking about the apology. He's talking about, you know, the whole reason Rob even came here to make peace, and he's scoffing at it. This should be clue number 1,000 that he is <laughs> still irked. <laughs> The only problem is, look, at this point, if they do realize it, they're not getting – they're still not getting out of their life. Even if they had this much of a heads up from when uh, – because I guess they get Edmure out. It's very strategic. It's all very strategic. They actually get Edmure and Rosalind out of the room before the killing starts. But uh, there's certain people I wanted to say, like even even Great John, who leaves, uh, he, he has to – 
I think he carries uh, Roslyn out. And even though he leaves, I don't think he's safe. I don't think he's still alive. I feel like at this point, there's enough Freys and not enough Rob men to leave anyone that they don't want alive alive. Um, they're going to find them wherever they're at in the castle, wherever they're hiding. If they're in the bastard's tent, you know, the bastard's party, they're going to find him and kill him. It's really unfortunate. You know, the bastard's party's hopping, right? It's totally hopping. They're playing some you know, like old school, like Nelly, you know, just <laughs> Furtado. No, they're, 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 they're playing things like the bear, and the maiden fair. They're playing, they're playing like the, the same sort of playlist that Tom seven strings would throw down and yeah. they're still, they're high born, but not, not quite. So they can still get a little rowdy. So, mm-hmm. The bastard's tent. Hopefully, that uh, flap wasn't soaked in any kind of oil beforehand, which oh. was a very smart strategy. Might yeah, I mention. gosh. I just wanted to to also to say when Rob leans into Sir Ryman Frey and he asks about Oliver and about whether or not he could take in and to be his squire when they march north yeah. from this. That's our first tip off of the people that are sort of strategically missing from this occasion <laughs> that would otherwise not be fit to be missing from a Frey wedding. Mm-hmm. Especially of this level of wedding, you know, you're talking about uniting Tully and Frey. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal, right? You would think. Again, that's clue 1001. But it's masked because how many freaking offspring does this guy actually have, right? It's like there still are so many Freys here. Not the important ones, but they're only finding it out too late. You know, that the, the Freys that Catelyn knows... Um, that have helped her in the past, the phrase that Rob knows, again, you know, he wants a squire. They're just eh, missing, have other stuff to do. And, you know, some of these phrases are drinking a lot. And I think it's also because they're trying to ease their consciences of what's about to happen. I mean, it's all very suspect. And we're seeing this all through the eyes of Catelyn. So as the conversation about Grey Wind shifts to the visualization of Great John's drinking competitions, to Roose Bolton murmuring some words and going in search of a privy. From the conversation with Sir Ryman, uh, it moves to another look at the people who are playing music, and again, of how they're not doing very well. Whilst Great John is singing The Lusty Lad, the musicians are playing Iron Lances, and it's not meshing. And again, we can understand from previous mentions in the chapter that this is the situation. And then we move to Edmure and Roslyn, who are kissing, squeezing each other's hands. <laughs> it's love, People are guys. playing drinking games. He doesn't even realize that the fair is shitty. <laughs> He's just, he likes his wife. Yeah, he does. You saw her in the show. Come on now. But uh, even uh, the moments where Catelyn glances over at Roslyn and she takes what she sees on her face and her... You know, her emotions and her actions to be nothing more than that of a newlywed on her wedding day. Right, wedding jitters. Yeah, knowing that she's about to have her clothes torn off in front of all of these people and be taken up to bed. Mm-hmm. And again, those are clues that we can pick up on. But you know, I, I wonder at this point, you know, Catalan has been very, very suspect of the entire situation really from the moment they went into the twins when they were initially marching against the Lannisters. And, and I think she's almost lulled herself into a false sense of security that things are going to be okay. Yeah. And they're not, and she knows it deep down. She knows it. And and she gets to that point later on, but I'm not sure what she could have done at this point to somebody mentioned that earlier. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like Sansa, if you want to think about how slowly it took Sansa to kind of get out of the funk of just telling people what they wanted to hear, 
you know, and kind of repeating, oh, the, I love the king. Like, again, I'm, I'm doing that uh, rewatch of the show, and it's just very painful to, to see Sansa clearly not feel some way but still say it. I think with Catelyn, she's been raised to believe for in her entire life that the rules of hospitality are something that just don't get broken. She's been raised to believe that – you know, to, to take people at their word. And even though her own father was suspect and, and calls, uh, Walter Frey, the late Lord Walter, because he showed up late, um, to the battle and didn't pledge all of his men and all, none of his men died. Um, it's just like her upbringing. This is, this is kind of the result of what Sansa would end up being like, right? Just naive. This is, we called Ned naive a couple times, uh, because he, he wasn't able to successfully play the game, even if he was able to see some of the pieces and, and both Catelyn, Catelyn's like Ned in that way, but Catelyn, um, has a little bit more bite, you know, she's able to, uh, <laughs> claim a life of her own in this chapter but i think sansa or sorry catelyn is really the the grown-up version of uh, just that naive sansa who is unable to really she just she continues to put to uh hope for the best in people she continues to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and this is seen even in this chapter when she's talking about Roslyn, when she's thinking about Roslyn and how she's crying, she remembers, oh, on my own wedding day, it was terrifying. I mean, you know, the betting ceremony, it's a public thing. People are, are making comments about your body and ripping your clothes off and they watch as you, uh, as your maidenhood is destroyed. And it's, it's, it's something where Catelyn is again, just boiling it down to that. It's just, it, oh yeah, she's clearly just nervous about her wedding. And I was too. Remember when Ned wed me? Yes, I remember that. Could boil down to the sort of people that they are being of the North and having someone like Ned as the head of their family, not that Ned set the tone for the sort of people that they are, but I think in general, they have a lot less interior motivations that are erring on the negative side than those from the South or those from, let's say have more heavily populated metropolitan areas and the yeah. story would have. And so maybe, maybe that's part of their naivete, the, the hope for a better situation in people. I felt her sense of security widen more so than it has in any of the previous chapters as she was looking around the party or and, and taking in the different scenes, especially when Daisy Mormont, oh. Lady Mage's eldest daughter, was dancing. You know, She was noticing how pretty she was without wearing her har hauberk. Right. She was noticing just someone having a good time that she liked. And I felt like that casual relaxation was, was flowing in more naturally than it had been previous. Like, maybe we're just getting through this. I think she says at some point, you know, we only have a few more hours of this left and then we'll be Rob on our be, way. Yeah, yeah, then Rob will be off to battle tomorrow. The last, I think the last place she thought that that they would get such hostility or hostility on any strong level would be just here at the finish line, you know? Especially as the, the betting ceremony is just about to start. Yeah, yeah. At, her internal monologue was a few more hours, and the worst will be over. Mm. <laughs> That's foreboding. If she also she only doesn't. Knew. Yeah, she also wonders how many men, uh, how many men around her will be dead by the end of the year. <laughs> I'm thinking, no, honey, honey, the end of the night. Um, oh, rough. It's, yeah, it's really, really rough. Some of those little bits that George sneaks in. Yeah, and and speaking of the betting, there was a. A line that uh, I, I highlighted because I thought, what if? And it's Ooh. when she says she knew she should join the throng of women around her brother, mm. but she would only ruin their fun. And what if she had? Was was the intent always to kill her? I don't think it was. I think I it think was so. to kill Rob. And if she had gone off with 
uh, Edmure in this case, uh, she could have survived the Red Wedding. She Ooh. probably would fall into the category of somebody like Edmure and, and become a hostage, a for lack of yeah. a better term. That's a great, great, interesting, very, very interesting. I mean, obviously, she would have been captured because they're in the vicinity of all of these things happening. But, hmm. Catelyn? I don't know. I, I tend to think that she would have died just because she made the agreement, right, for Rob. Um, I think he wanted both of them. I don't know. It's weird because knowing what she does, how she kills, uh, was it Jingle Bell? Um, she clearly cannot be reasoned with. Like, I feel like she, over grief of yet another son dying, she thinks that Bran and Rickon are both dead. Uh, you know, thinking that Rob would be dead, I think she would be unmanageable as a hostage because of because of her grief. Well, said she goes mad at the end of the the chapter. That was right, and starts cackling. Yeah, a bit chilling. I was ugh. basically I we'll ripping that, her face oof. apart. Yeah, yeah. I th- there was some imagery there that was very startling. I had to re- re- reread it a handful of times, and it was it, it affected me in a different way, obviously, than the show did. And I feel like the implications to the overall story and all of you listening to what I'm talking about um, were much stronger and uh, very deliberate, and I, I like that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, talking about it, the adaptation um, because Daisy is not in the show uh, version, Daisy ends up getting an ax to the stomach um, mm. when, when all, when all goes to hell. Um, but you know, a woman does get stabbed in the stomach in the show. It just happens to be uh, lady Talisa, who is the substitute for Jane Poole. So it's, it's weird how, but wait, it's just like, a, I think a key example of how they, they're really keeping a lot of things like a woman gets stabbed in the stomach and adapting it to make it more, even more brutal um, for the show. Yeah. Uh, the show just took it to another level because bringing in Talisa and obviously the unborn child of Rob mm-hmm. and her and the fact that they were going to name it Ned. And oh, God. Just, that, was a, that was the extra. It was so close by to it actually happening. I remember being filled with such joy. I was just like, oh, this is – it's so beautiful and picturesque how this is happening. And then yeah. obviously the worst happened. They did make it worse. <laughs> You're right. I did want to uh, bring up again our our good uh, friend that we meet at uh, High Heart because uh, the the prophecy or whatever oh. you want to refer to it as uh, the the passage uh, goes like this: I dreamt a wolf howling in the rain, but no one heard no. his grief. No. I dreamt such a clangor, I no. thought my head might burst drums and horns and pipes and screams, but no. the saddest sound was the little bells. Oh. Poor jingle bells. Oh. I like oh. this. You're right. Like the, the book, the book is books are for smarter people, right? Like we have the show <laughs> that makes us feel all those things because they're happening in that moment. But if you go back and you read some of these other passages that were clearly intended to foreshadow the Red Wedding, you do get. I feel like I'm feeling like a bigger tug now for like for Jingle Bell even who wasn't in the show. And I just feel when you said that, I just feel sad about the little bells because he was he was so innocent in all yeah. of this right and you could tell there was something a bit off about him you know he probably didn't have a full understanding of what was happening and i don't think anybody sat him down and told him that it was gonna happen i mean other phrase had to be warned jingle bell clearly not and knowing how little walder values his life he just kind of kept him there and basically it's i mean it's his fault that jingle bell dies for a hundred reasons but jingle bell is there to write to throw off the the ruse and ends up being a casualty instead of um, the eighth 
Lady Frey. But um, yeah, fucking Jingle Bell is innocent. Completely agree with that. Daisy Mormont's advancement onto a Mr. Edwin Frey was in this chapter the straw that broke the camel's back for Catelyn's patience with the things that she was noticing. Yeah. So Daisy uh, essentially walks up to him, whispers something into his ear, which we can only assume through Catelyn's perspective is her saying, would you like to dance? Good, sir. Right. Yeah. Just as polite as that too. She's, you know, <laughs> she's having a good time and she would totally be like, good, sir. Would you like to dance? And he, what? He throws her back. Yeah. He says, no, I'm done with dancing for the knots. So he, she pales, turns away, and Catelyn moves forward to see exactly what has happened. So essentially, Evan Frey storms away, and he's he's. Look, I'm I'm imagining a man that looks very preoccupied and yeah. that knows dancing at this particular moment would not be beneficial to the plan. And you also got the the mention earlier on in the chapter, Catelyn wondering if her mother had yet to reach the neck. So there's your confirmation that. Rob did, in fact, send those individuals off prior to the twins. Yeah, yeah, because that was a question. So, I mean, she's talking about that plan that they um, hashed out in the tent prior to arriving at the towers – or sorry, at the twins. Mm -hmm. So going back to talking about what happens here uh, with Edwin, basically Edwin in the book serves the role of Roose Bolton in the show when Catelyn – leans over and grabs his wrist and sees that he's actually wearing mail beneath yeah. uh, his clothing. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, that's a change that I think we can all live with. Uh, also with Roose Bolton, one thing I noted uh, reading through this is that it's not explicitly stated that it's him. Right. That, that in fact kills Rob, but I guess we can infer from the show and also from what the individual is wearing that it, that it is Roose Bolton and his line, of course. I mean, this this book right here, it's it's the equivalent of uh, like slow motion, right? Like this, yeah, kind of exactly. from from that moment uh, when she feels Edwin's mail, you know, he it, it just kind of goes into the slow mo, and she realizes, and suddenly there's arrows and everything. So I, yeah, let's let's re- let's read this. What just happened there? Doubt gripped her heart, where an instant before had only been weariness. It is nothing, she tried to tell herself. You are seeing grumpkins in the woodpile. You are become an old silly woman sick with grief and fear. But something must have shown on her face. Even Sir Wendell Manderley took note. Is something amiss? He asked, the leg of lamb in his hands. She did not answer him. Instead, she went after Edwin Frey. The players in the gallery had finally gotten both king and queen down to their name-day suits. (laughs) With scarcely a moment's respite, they began to play a very different sort of song. No! No one sang the words, but Catelyn knew the reins of Castamere when she heard it. Edwin was hurrying toward a door. She hurried faster, driven by the music. Six quick strides, and she caught him. And who are you, the proud lord said, that I must bow so low? She grabbed Edwin by the arm to turn him and went cold all over when she felt the iron rings beneath his silken sleeve. Edwin Frey shoved her aside. The music drowned all other sound, echoing off the walls as if the stones themselves were playing. Rob gave Edwin an angry look and moved to block his way and staggered suddenly as a quarrel sprouted from his side, just beneath the shoulder. If he screamed then... 
The sound was swallowed by the pipes and horns and fiddles. Catalan saw a second bolt pierce his leg. Saw him fall. Up in the gallery, half the musicians had crossbows in their hands instead of drums or lutes. She ran toward her son until something punched in the small of the back and the hard stone floor came up to slap her. Rob! She screamed. She saw Small John Umber wrestle a table off its trestles. Crossbow bolts thudded into the wood. One, two, three, as he flung it down on top of his king. Robin Flint was ringed by Freys, their daggers rising and falling. Sir Wendell Manderley rose ponderously to his feet, holding his leg of lamb. A quarrel went in his open mouth and came out the back of his neck. Sir Wendell crashed forward, knocking the table off its trestles and sending cups, flagons, trenchers, platters, turnips, beets, and wine bouncing, spilling, and sliding across the floor. Catelyn's back was on fire. I have to reach him. A small John bludgeoned Sir Raymond Frey across the face with a leg of mutton, but when he reached for his sword belt, a crossbow bolt drove him to his knees. In a coat of gold or a coat of red, lion still has claws. She saw Lucas Blackwood cut down by Sir Hostine Frey. One of the Vances was hamstrung by Black Walder as he was wrestling with Sir Harris Hay. Mine are long and sharp, my lord, as long and sharp as yours. The crossbows took Donald Locke, Owen Norrie, and half a dozen more. Young Sir Benfrey had seized Daisy Mormont by the arm, but Catelyn saw her grab up a flagon of wine with her other hand, smash it full in his face, and run for the door. It flew open before she reached it. Sir Ryman Frey pushed into the hall, clad in steel from helm to heel. A dozen Frey men-at-arms packed the door behind him. They were armed with heavy, long axes. This reminds me of the scene from Snowpiercer, where they reached the... Oh God! Don't spoil it for me. That's exciting. If that uh, reminds you of this, I can't wait to see that movie. <laughs> it was brutal, and I only make that comparison because, you know, especially after our reading just now, I hope that your your emotions are are, are stable enough to continue this discussion with us. Mm-hmm. It's a complete and utter bloodbath, and I, George is somebody when he writes who very often references history and this event is pulled from Scottish history. And I thought it was important to bring this up because in this story, this is the one moment that people seem to, with good reason, despise the most. And they think that George R. R. Martin is this crazy delusional fucked up individual who you know, would do this to two of the most beloved characters in the series. I mean, he already threw one of the Starks out the window, cut right. the father's head off. And how could he go and take it to the next level, killing Rob and Catelyn here at the Red Wedding? And so uh, he actually did an interview with Entertainment Weekly. Um, and this has been published in a number of other uh, sources um, where he talks about these two different events that he pulled from to create the Red Wedding. Real history. And he said, one was a case called the Black Dinner. The King of Scotland was fighting the Black Douglas clan. He reached out to make peace. He offered the young Earl of Douglas safe passage. Sounds familiar. He came to Edinburgh Castle and had a great feast. Then at the end of the feast, the King's men started pounding on a single drum. They brought out a covered plate and put it in front of the Earl and revealed it was the head of a black boar, the symbol of death. And as soon as he saw it, he knew what it meant. They dragged them out and put them to death in the courtyard. The larger instance was the Glencoe Massacre. 
Clan MacDonald stayed with the Campbell clan overnight, and the laws of hospitality supposedly applied. But the Campbells arose and started butchering every MacDonald they could get their hands on. No matter how much I make up, this is George speaking now, there's stuff in history that's just as bad or worse. Wow. So that's uh, History 101. Yeah. For today's episode. <laughs> well, I certainly applied well to the flow of how the how the story has moved. And there appears to be no mercy for the men of the North, the Northmen that aren't fighting against their own kind. The McDonald's of the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a difficult chapter to get through because you're left, you know, you, the, the other part of it too is you spent so much time with these characters, you've invested so much with them and then so quickly they're gone. Right. This is difficult, guys. Like I knew that this was coming for for the longest time. And I obviously knew that this episode was eventually coming. I knew that we'd eventually reach this part of the book. But just going, you know, and just looking over the paragraphs that we've just read, all of these faces that we've come to know, some that we don't know quite well, some that we don't know as well as we'd like, um, meeting and end in a story that we know has so much more life left in it. It's, it's very sad because these characters could have been with us for much longer. Yeah, and, and I know George has talked about in order to advance the overall plot, this is something that uh, he had to do. He just chose to do it in one of the worst ways possible. I mean, he could have killed Rob in battle and had right. uh, Catelyn captured. Uh, I like that because um, Catelyn mentions how Rob never lost a battle, and that's also some comfort to her now. She's like, oh, tomorrow he'll be back on the field where he always wins. It's just like, no, there are other parts to life that aren't, I mean, because he made, he broke his vow and it's all about, I mean, he's, he's getting killed, not for something he did in war uh, or on the field. He's not being unseated from his horse. Uh, it's not is, all that dissimilar from Ned. I mean, Ned didn't die on the battlefield either. Right. He died for basically being too honorable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's representing the very, I don't want to say varying nature of life, but just the general randomness that exists in the decision-making of other people. As much as we'd like to have our own destiny unfurled in the way that we'd like, just as these folks would, mm-hmm. the Starks are facing the agendas of other large parties. Whether they be large or not, people have the ability to make decisions and to do the things that they'd like to do. And in this case, a lot of people... Uh, are doing something that a lot of other people didn't expect to happen, and it's ending very poorly. It takes balls to do what they're doing because they're going to be the least trusted family, as if they weren't before. But uh, yeah, kind of. You're, you're it's going to have implications for posterity. The yeah, like every fray from he's he's basically doomed. Walder has doomed every one of his children and grandchildren to this reputation that he has done. But presumably. I mean, except for the few phrase who aren't there, you know, we don't know what the grand consensus was as to all the phrase who are just going along with this. But if you live with Walder, the fact that somebody hasn't killed him yet, one of his own family hasn't killed him prior to this, shows that they're kind of drinking the Kool-Aid too. Like they're they're probably a good portion of them are just as incensed as Lord as late Lord Walder Frey is for you know from this insult. And I mean, how can you realistically talk? your family members into doing this to this other family that slighted you. You pull the family card, right? You pull the, the we have been betrayed. Because, I mean, the, the sheer amount of manpower that's required to, to make this happen means that 
there are other Freys who must feel the same way that Lord Walder did. Yet what story will history tell? Will it tell the story of a family betrayed and gotten their just due? Or will it tell the story of fiery arrows flying through the sky outside of the twins and the Freys losing all honor that they had ever had? I think it'll be the latter, only because you're talking about them betraying not just the Starks, but a lot of different families in the North. They're killing all of the Bannermen mm-hmm. of Rob, and that's taking it several steps beyond just getting retribution for Rob going off and mad- uh, marrying Jane Westerling. That's true. They're ending the war, essentially, but they're also in conjunction with – or they're in cooperation with the Lannisters, who also want to see all of men's uh, – all of Rob's men killed. So that's that's kind of where the greater – Are they ending the war or are they just making it worse? I mean well, I, th- I feel like you can make the argument in, in either direction. That's interesting. I mean I feel like, yeah, this blow – I mean all of the men who have ridden with Rob are killed. Uh, except for the Karstarks who got away early and are now with Bolton, presumably on Bolton's side. Like, that's just it. Like, Bolton's men aren't being killed. They're in the alliance too. And so those are the the only Northmen right now that you'll find because I think, you know, the huge mass of them went with uh, Rob. Uh, the only men left in the North were, you know, who can fight are the Bol- are Bolton's men, which is a terrible – like, I think it has terrible implications because he's such a, a bad egg. Uh, in, you know, for the future. Yeah, but even Tyrion's line in the show, it, he says something along the lines after this happens that the North will never forget. Absolutely not. Yeah, and just remember the, the, the lineage, the history of the Stark family and what it means to mm-hmm. the North. And I think that you will still have pockets of individuals who are still alive and you know, you know, it's always one of those situations where, you know, maybe you bend the knee for now because it's convenient to do that. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, you know, you still have a certain level of integrity and certain honor and you've pledged your your fealty to Winterfell, to the Starks, to the North. And I think that the phrase are, are, are making a huge miscalculation here because at the end of the day – the Lannisters are going to have their hands clean because there's no proof that they had any involvement in this, right? Unless somebody heard what Roose Bolton said to Rob. Right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but Roose Bolton is essentially the fall guy, and everybody knows his family's batshit crazy because they skin the flesh <laughs> off of people. <laughs> yeah. Still to this day, it's kind of antiquated, isn't it? So the yeah. phrase are, are – are going to, I'm assuming, at some point, have to answer for what well, they've look, done. I, I've, I've, I've learned to trust your state, your broad statements about what is going to happen regarding the phrase, because remember, Micah, way back when, when we first met Walder Frey, didn't I say something like, "What harm could he possibly do? He's a cre, he's a, uh, a an unfortunate, lame old man." who doesn't have any power, what harm could he possibly cause Rob? Yeah, huge, huge moment early, early, early in the podcast uh, days. But um, here we go. Now we've read it. This is exactly what Walder Frey can do. Um, He's forcing Lady Catelyn into a situation where she cries mercy at a wedding feast, where (laughs) an axe is going in the stomach of one Daisy Mormont, where Northmen are pouring in possibly as beacons of hope, but instead they're lopping off the head 
of Small John, Small John Umber, directly in front mm-hmm. of her. Two strokes. And it says, for her, hope blew out like a candle and a storm after this happened. That's powerful. Yet in the midst of the slaughter, the Lord of the Crossing sat on his carved oaken throne, watching greedily. Yeah, greedily. He wants more. That's what that means. Yeah. And and David Bradley did a great job of this in the show. You know, yeah. it was just like he was watching a <laughs> football game, and his team was winning. Like a, a pick six, essentially, for his team. That's yeah. kind of what it looks like. So, Eric, I know you mentioned earlier um, when he was talking to Rob about um, what happened to uh, Peter Pimple. Right. The whole and, apology thing. Yeah. And he has another line like that uh, towards the end of the chapter where he says, The King of the North arises. Seems we killed some of your men, Your Grace. Oh, but I'll make you an apology. That will mend them all again. And this is after Rob has had the table that Small John had thrown over him. He ripped from the ground, essentially, and threw a table over Rob. Rob is standing up from underneath. Yeah. And... Already has three arrows in him. It says... And see, I feel like ugh, there's so much... I've, I've I've said this a few times over the past couple of weeks, but if you're not reading along with us, at least give yourself a moment to to bring yourself to terms with the actual words at this part of the story. This is when Rob is getting up from the table. It says, he had an arrow from his side... In his side, a second in his leg, a third through his chest, Lord Walder raised a hand and the music stopped, all but one drum. Catelyn heard the crash of distant battle and closer the wild howling of a wolf. Greywind, she remembered, too late. And then that's when Lord Walder laughs and says that line that Mike had just read. Yeah. And it's it's really all downhill from there. It's just... <sighs> it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Very difficult. You know, she tries to really negotiate on Rob's behalf here. With, with Walder Frey and poor Jingle Bell, is is the victim, eventually of of her failed negotiation. But really, I I don't think it would have mattered much who she she was able to get a hold of. Yeah, I mean she. There's this interesting. Uh, I had to think about this because she says I'll trade you son for son, um, because she's got Jingle Bell by the throat and uh, Rob is about to be killed and and he says Ah, but that one's a grandson like. It's it's kind of a little bit uh, rebuke of the fact that nobody's keeping track of Walder's family tree except for him. You know, like no outsider has ever gotten it right. He is always correcting them on who's a grandson, who's a son. And it's just like, this is why your argument's invalid. You know, it's just like she if she had grabbed a hold of a son, would it, would it be different? You know, an actual son instead of grandson? No, I'm pretty sure right now all he wants is to see Rob killed. But still, it's like that. It, it was imperfect. It's an imperfect uh, request for mercy. She's she's grasping and and falling short of of actually making an interesting arrangement here. And she's doing to someone else what was done to her. It says yeah. where she says, "Enough, I say. You have repaid betrayal with betrayal. Let it end." This is after she shouts, "Lord Walder!" Like Michelle fairly brilliantly portrayed in the show, Love just it. that very very loud. And powerful, all caps, Lord Walder. Like, you know, it's still obeying the pleasantries mm-hmm. in his uh, addressing. It says, you've repaid betrayal with betrayal. Let it end. When she pressed her dagger to Jingle Bell's throat, the memory of Bran's sick room came back to her. The feel of the steel at her own throat. And that's as the drum is continuing to pound on and on. Yet, this is the first time we've seen Catelyn in kind of a bad person role. She's threatening an innocent, essentially. But right. so much is happening. Probably, for me, given everything that happened in this chapter, the most P- 
painful line to read was when it says she had lived too long and Ned was waiting. Yeah. Yeah. And this was her internal monologue. Clearly, Roose Bolton is the one who does the deed to Rob here. It's not explicitly stated. It's very clear in the show. Uh, But we know that pink is his color. Yes. A man in dark armor and a pale pink cloak spotted with blood stepped up to Rob. (laughs) (laughs) This is... I don't like this. <laughs> Jamie Lannister sends his regards. It's bad. He thrust his longsword through her son's heart and twisted. Twisted. Yeah, twisted. That's anger. That's like, I don't like you, but also you're, you're, I'm going to, and the twist is just seals the deal. We can't like Roose Bolton. Um, Rob had broken his word, but Catelyn had kept hers. And this is when she tugged on Jingle Bells' hair. Ooh, sawed at his neck until the blade grated on bone. Ugh. Blood ran hot over her fingers. His little bells were ringing, ringing, ringing. And the drum went boom, doom, boom. Finally, someone took the knife away from her. The tears burned like vinegar as they ran down her cheeks. Ten fierce ravens were raking her face with sharp talons and tearing off strips of flesh, leaving deep furrows that ran red with blood. She could taste it on her lip. So she's literally clawing, she's clawing her face her, apart. She's clawing at her own face. Ten fierce ravens, I'm yeah. assuming, are her ten fingers. Her fingers? Jesus. Raking at her face. And and the only reason why I would think it's her is because they mentioned at the very end of the chapter that she's going mad. Yeah. You know, that's something I would think a mad person would do. Tear at their mm-hmm. own face, yeah. No, it I, says Catalan Stark raised her hands and watched the blood run down her long fingers over her wrists beneath the sleeves of her gown. Slow red worms crawled along her arms on her clothes. It tickles. That made her laugh until she screamed. And then that's when someone is shouting mad. She's lost her wits. And so someone else says, make an end. Yeah. And uh, it ended. Yeah. Red and cold bite of steel. So that's a happy end. Yeah. Yeah. The Catalan chapters. Can we just, can we breathe for a moment, guys? Just like an exhalation like for ourselves and all of our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've lost, you know, two Starks and, and, you know, it, it we're, I think we're a little desensitized to it because it happened over a year ago on the show. So it's, it's not as impactful, but now coming back to the reading. Compare this to the, uh, the mountain and the viper, right? It's just like, mm-hmm. We feel more strongly for the one that was most recent. Is that what you're? Oh, uh, not not me. Definitely no? not. Yeah. No, this still this still gets me in the solar plexus. Gets me in the good spot. I'm um, mm. solar plexus. I'm a bit weary mm. now that we've made it through this. It's not the same feeling that I I get when going through things in the book and things for the show. But this live, you know. Just right now, it just feels different. Because you now know you're moving forward in the story without two characters that have played a pivotal role in it for the first two and a half books. And you're invested in them. You're invested in their family. And you want to see them take revenge for what happened yeah. to Ned. Well, that's and that's just yet- it. He was the man mo- – Rob was the man most foremost acting you know, for Ned to to get revenge and the Lannisters are are above reproach they caused this to happen and now even Rob and and then Ned's wife 
who's calling out to him, calling for him, is also getting killed. It's like, who will remember Ned Stark? Who will fight for the wrong that has happened to all of these Starks? And how many Starks are left? And these final words, this final exchange between Catelyn and Rob, she's telling him to get up and to walk out. How sad. Save yourself. If not for me, if for Jane. And he says Jane almost questioningly. He says with a question mark. And he stands and says mother. And he says Grey Wind. So he's going through the things in his life that are important to him, essentially, as the lights are going out. Mm -hmm. And she says, go to him now, Rob. And I'm thinking, go to him. Actually, go to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's, 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 there's a lot there. There's a lot there, I'm saying, people. What if, uh, I don't know, it could mean many things, but. Yeah. Do you think he's like getting a sixth sense is like, because we haven't seen him have wolf dreams, but do you think he's kind of getting tuned in at the very last second into what's happening with Grey Wind or just, he just think he's predicting accurately that they're going to kill his dog, kill his dog. I think that there's a connection there that has just happened or taken place. Yeah. And so uh, I know we had discussed really ending our, on season, right? Reading here at the Red Wedding, but mm-hmm. the following chapter, uh, which is Arya's, I thought was just as important because it it takes you out of what's happening in the castle walls and is from somebody who is experiencing what's going on outside. And here we are yet again with Arya who is oh so close to her family and is going to experience yet another devastating event, which claims her family members' lives. It's just like placement of chapters could not be better because the portcullis is open and she wants to run in and see her family. But we know what's happening. She hears the drums. It's like a single drum, single drum. Yeah, what's what's up with that? Well, Ari, you do not want to go through the portcullis and find out. You just... Don't. I don't know. It's funny because her whole goal this entire chapter is to get, and it is a short chapter, but it's to get inside. She notices, though, the castle's not closed. She sees the portcullis being drawn up, but that's when the hound, also his spidey senses tingle, his his <laughs> sixth sense of the of the dog kind realizes that these fray men are armored, that these men in general are armored, are yeah. armored, and the, the drums are sounding. And he has one of the best lines from the entire <laughs> series, I think. He says, seven bloody buggering hells. <laughs> I mean, not too bad. Way to and he throws her one. ass into the mud. He does. Yeah. He's, he's uh, on top of what should happen right now. Get down, Clegane roared at her, slamming the heel of his hand into her shoulder to knock her sideways. Yeah. No, sorry, I was reading. <laughs> she landed <laughs> She landed light the way Sirio had taught her and bounced up at once with a face full of mud. Why did you do that? She screamed. The hound had leapt down as well. He tore the seat off the front of the wain and reached in for the sword belt he'd hidden beneath it. This is the cool thing that I like is that how um, Clegane is going into battle mode, uh, which is, again, it's another lesson for Arya. We talked about lessons for Arya, but he's hidden. He keeps a stranger on hand. He keeps his sword just underneath the saddle, just out of view. And his helm is also like behind a bushel mm-hmm. of apples. Or whatever. It was like he had all his, his armor and everything. He was prepared for this. Um, and it's just like a, his, his, uh, destrier is slowly transforming his ride. His mount is slowly transforming into, okay, now I can protect. Now I can stay alive. And this is kind of his whole motivations. The whole chapter is to, to stay alive and eventually get away. 
um, from this terrible thing that is kind of unfurling over their eyes. I mean, Arya looks away a second later and realizes that there's only two tents still standing mm-hmm. where there were three. I mean, yep. this is whatever's happening inside the castle is is also happening outside the castle. Like at the same, it's very well choreographed. It's it's simultaneous. Imagine this scene. Him ripping the seat off and picking up the sword belt, chopping strangers' harness and hopping on. This is one man versus the world, essentially. Mm-hmm. He's does he doesn't have any kinsmen in this fight. He he's not on either side, yeah. and he knows that whatever happens, he's gonna have to chop down whoever happens upon him and move forward. But yeah, I feel like uh, it's it says much for his character that in the midst of such a brutal onslaught, because he's about to face a lot of men. If they don't move quickly, he's still thinking of the young girl he's traveling with. I think that says a lot for his character. Definitely. Yeah, he he does have a bit of a redemptive quality, and I think that's something we've talked about a lot um, throughout the, the history of the show is that all these characters, they're not clearly defined as being good or evil. They're, there's something in, in all of them that can be considered good and evil, and I think that you're starting to see here that Maybe the Hound isn't as bad of a guy as he's been made out to be at certain times. Uh, certainly, I think he's a bit more endearing in the show than he is in the books. But in this moment, uh, yeah, he's concerned about Arya. And, um, you know, Eric, you mentioned the tents just before. Yeah. Now, this really was when I started to get nervous uh, in this chapter, not as if there wasn't enough to get nervous about in the last chapter. Um, but it says for once the same song was coming from both castles. Right. And, you know, throughout the, the previous Arya chapter and and even at the beginning of the, the last Catalan chapter, they were talking about how bad the music was, right? How Mm -hmm. it couldn't sync up. They were, they were all over the place and, you know, um, great John was singing one song and the band was playing another song and they couldn't get in unison with each other but now here here's something we can all agree on <laughs> it was the reigns of castamir and Arya recognized it yeah i i hear these facts and i think of if we're lucky if if these people are lucky enough to have a history that advances past the events that are approaching in the final two books and in the final seasons of the show if they're able to to survive essentially as a race as yeah. a people's how history will tell of this event, of these arrows raining under these tents, of the reins of Castamere flooding across the grounds as kinsmen fought kinsmen, essentially, as a grand betrayal, as grand murder of royalty and of, of, of friends t- took place. It's just, uh, I, I think I said this in last week's episode, speaking of the, the jubilation of how I've liked, I would have liked to have seen more perspective and context outside of the twins to show the scale of, of how large of an event this was. I would have also loved to have seen more than we saw. I know we saw quite a bit and a little bit in the following episode with uh, Greywind's head being ridden on Rob's corpse. But right. just right here in this moment where the hound is pulling out his his steel and fighting for his life, essentially, as Arya looks on and has a personal moment thinking, I'm not fighting against him. Like, I, I'm, I'm essentially rooting for him. You know, all of this is, is such a grand, large moment. I feel it's a turning point in the series, uh, and it just really pulls us out of our comfort, I think. And uh, we'll pull the rest of 
the people that this was affected by and their families out of a sense of comfort for a very long time. Yeah. I mean, he, he, she's going on about her brother. She's like, my brother. And he says, dead. Look, look, damn you. Do you think they'd slaughter his men and leave him alive? And it's just like Clegane knows, again, he's he's on. He's seen this sort of thing before. Maybe not this exact sort of thing, but he knows that Rob is dead, that the whole reason they came here is no longer exists that they need to get as far away as possible. He says, come with me. We have to get away from here and now. And he is doing Arya a solid here in trying to get through to her that her mother he even says something about, you know, they're going to yeah, they'll let you kiss your, your mother's corpse right before they kill you. Um, she's so focused on, on her family because she is so close, but he knows that he has to get her away. And this, this goes a little bit beyond, you know, just having her as a captive, right? Cause he wants to get his money back. This is more than that. I think he genuinely cares for her. And yet, um, even when he chases after her on his horse, because she she again just runs towards the castle, uh, it's compared to him chasing down the farmer's boy, right, Micah, and that's cruel at this point because here you have a character who, yes, he's he's the situation is sort of similar, right? He's on a horse and she's not, but it's it's not it's like the opposite intention. He doesn't want to run her down, um, despite the very odd wording <laughs> of the sentence with his axe. It reminds me of the situation in which he rescued Sansa, where there was tumult, there was riotous fear, essential chaos, danger of their lives, yet the safety of an innocent, a particular innocent, was on his mind, as well as keeping his situation up to snuff. But part of keeping himself safe is what it takes to keep the innocent safe. Mm -hmm. But I think at the same time, towards the end of the chapter... You start to realize that the hound is still the hound. Yeah. When he tells Arya, you go in there, you won't come out. Maybe Frey will let you kiss your mother's corpse. Like, kiss your mother's corpse. Really? Mm -hmm. He's just trying to drill it home. She thinks her mom's still alive. He knows otherwise. It's What, are you, what else are you going to say? Yeah, this is a high-energy situation, though. I feel like he gets kind of a free pass at this moment. He's It's, it's sort of a fuck the king situation. It's very... It's very I don't know. There's a lot of things going on in his mind, and I think being uh, nice and not himself, because he's usually this kind of snarky, yeah. kind of asshole, um, is the last thing he's thinking of. Yeah, I mean, she says, maybe we can save her, and he says, maybe you can. I'm not done living yet. I mean, there is that little bit of, I'm not done living yet. Like this, I'm going to do what's best for me. But he is really, again, reaching out to her, and he could have, he could be uh, a league away by now. Um, because he's on his horse, you know, he's got stranger stranger. It said, I love this, uh, in the book, it says stranger tossed his head impatiently, mm -hmm. his nostrils flaring at the scent of blood. Strangers freaked out and for stranger to be freaked out. I mean, that's something else, but, uh, he's making his horse wait and endure this because he feels the need to protect Arya or get her to come back with him and, and maybe try to live another day. Ah, the black sky wept, the river grumbled, men cursed and died. Arya had mud in her teeth and her face was wet. Rain, it's only rain. That's all it is. <laughs> it's just tears. rain of Castamere. That's all it is. Shall we read the last paragraph? Because let me tell you, um, as a reader, having read this the first time, mm -hmm. not having seen the show, you're left wondering what happens to Arya. The hound turns to her and, and says, oh, basically, stay or go. You know, it's up to you. You want to live. You want to die. Your 
and then he gets cut off. But he's basically going to say, it's your choice. Um, oh. And then Arya spun away from him and darted for the gate. The portcullis was coming down, but slowly, I have to run faster. The mud slowed her, though, and then the water. Run fast as a wolf. The drawbridge had begun to lift the water running off it in a sheet, the mud falling in heavy clots. Faster. She heard loud splashing and looked back to see Stranger pounding after her, sending up gouts of water with every stride. She saw the long axe, too, still wet with blood and brains. And Arya ran, not for her brother now, not even for her mother, but for herself. She ran faster than she had ever run before, her head down and her feet churning up the river. She ran from him as Micah must have run. His axe took her in the back of the head. Mm. The finality in this paragraph, the sense of finality, her sort of running through the things in her mind that are most important to her is very, very strong. Use that superlative. She's she she's running faster than she had ever run. But it doesn't seem it doesn't appear to be good enough, right? If you're thinking for a moment that his axe took her in the back of the head means he killed her. Of course. Yeah. Of course you do, because mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? You just read the previous chapter that Rob and Kathleen were dead. Now well, here's Arya. Yeah, yeah. But he's he's trying to talk her out of it. So so like the thought process going on with the hound is look, I tried to talk her out of going in there, but now if they won't have her because I want her, but I'm gonna kill her if they can't, so that so they can't. Is that he could have possibly of... been keeping her from torture or worse? Yeah, but I mean, ultimately, wants to kill her himself. Of course, but the reality is, you don't know yeah. at this point. Yeah. You're not sure if she's alive. She could be dead, and you're left wondering that for a while. Well, that paragraph, like I said, there's such a strong sense of finality, especially as she reflects. She's not running for her brother. She's not running for her mother. She's running for herself. Mm-hmm. This is something that we we really haven't come across in her interior dialogue. Or it's just yeah, it's almost similar to the 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 end of the the previous chapter where it says the steel was at her throat and its bite was red and cold like there's a finality to that to your point and there's a finality to you know Catalan as well so well <laughs> i think Jeez. i think with these chapters there's also a finality to our on season <laughs> as you were mentioning oh that's true what a place to end his axe took her in the back of the head couldn't it have been an upbeat ending to uh Let's, to let's, our on let's mention the bad news in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> we still have well, we still have listener owns to get to. Maybe maybe yeah. there's maybe there's some light in that tunnel. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Before we do that though, we need to give our own owns. Ooh. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go for uh for the Catlin chapter. I'm gonna give an own to Daisy Mormont, who is often in armor. Um, very occasionally she wears a dress, but when she does, she, I think I mentioned this earlier, she, she really has a good time. She allows herself to dance and is very courtly about it. Um, so good for her for playing both sides and being able to enjoy herself at the wedding. She may be the only one. Well, I'm glad that she had a good time while it lasted, Eric. Yeah. Very important. Sad to see another Mormont leave the pages. It is. I hope eventually if, uh, Jorah and Danny come over from the East and they're talking about the phrase. Jorah can be like, "Yeah, my my sister Daisy or whoever was just uh, whoever she is to him uh, was murdered by the phrase. Let's go burn their fucking twins down." <laughs> you know, I'm actually going to give my own to the ghost of High Heart for okay having the vision to see what was coming and letting Arya know. And unfortunately, Arya was unable to get there in time. Well, probably good for her she didn't. Yeah. This is difficult. I feel like there's 
this, there's, there's different avenues to go with passing out the owner of the sort of definitive chapter for the Red Wedding. Um, rather than go into those, because I'm sure a lot of those are covered in the things that you have sent us, I'm going to just give it to Catelyn Stark. For many chapters now, she has had the foresight of an impending doom, an impending boom, an impending situation that doesn't bode well for her son and for her family. Even after all of the grief that they've gone through, she still didn't think it was enough. She had strong feelings, strong motherly intuition, something that we've been taught over the course of these books so far, and I'm sure will be resonating in the next, that those young folk and old alike should listen to their mothers more. And if they had, this would not have happened. So, Catelyn Stark, take your final loan. Yeah. And how about Arya? Uh, I'd give it to the Hound for just recognizing the situation immediately and responding to it the best way he possibly could. Yeah. Not bad. That's not bad at all. Not bad at all. Um, that's not bad, Micah. In fact, it's so not bad, I'm going to second it. Oh. Wow, the Hound, Sandor. He's not a point of view character, so I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, he already had some great moments, but I'm going to stick with my rule. I'd love to 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 break this streak and give it to Arya Stark because she deserves all of the owns. Yeah, she threw a rock. She did throw. She a did rock. throw a rock. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> she did throw a rock. That was she did throw a rock. She missed. She's well, better it, with crab apples. Yeah, it didn't. Uh, it didn't quite unseat the guy that she was throwing at it, but it kind of incensed him. So good for her. This is difficult. Maybe I can give Arya the own. It's okay. The own for me is specifically geared toward when Sandor shouts. He's like. Get me my helm, you know, like get me my helm, get my helm, and uh, it's stuffed at the bottom of a sack of dried apples, right? And mm -hmm. so she gets it and chucks it to him, right? He snatched it one-handed from the air and lowered it over his head, and where the man had sat, only a steel dog remained, yeah, that snarling was good at catch. the fires. Good catch, too. just that moment, just that catch, the the buckling, just a helm on, and there he transforms from a man to a specter. A terrifying armored individual with a scary helmet and is able to hold it down as their escape or lack thereof takes place. Mm -hmm. So to both of them, I give my own. How's that? Yeah, that's a good duo. Hopefully we'll see. Hopefully their stuff happens in the book like it does in the in the show. There's stuff together that follows this, but we won't know for quite some time. No, we will not. Because we have a season to get through first. <laughs> you know, I will say, looking at, I'm at the page, it's 710 uh, in Storm of Swords, in my, in my version of Storm of Swords anyway. And uh, then out, out of 1150-something. So uh, it's Tyrion, though. So we, we'll be in great hands when we uh, finish the season of the show and get back to our on-seasons where we read through the books because it'll open with Tyrion. It'll be like a... Special treat, you know, every chapter is good, but his are just a little bit, you know, sweeter, a little bit more fun, hopefully a little bit more lighthearted than this kind of crap we've had to put up with, with, uh, from Catelyn and Arya. I hope it's sunny where he is. Well, friends, my, my good friends, we finally reached this moment together. Our owns are finished. Our kind of talking through is finished. I'm sure that we'll have our own personal discussions regarding what has happened in the future as we've had in the past. Again, I'm sure this will come up 
during dinners together, maybe during late nights, during convention season, in our hotel rooms, alone, thinking out loud. Yeah, it's, it's just such a depressing series of chapters. <laughs> it really <laughs> but your is. Owns, your owns are far from depressing. No. Yeah, now we reach into the great void and pull out your thoughts on the matter. The time has come to share your owns for the Red Wedding. So one of the ways that we get your owns is from those who scrawl upon our wall. Of course, we put a call out for owns too, so we'll read both uh, both forms. But from our Facebook, we heard from Heather Bechtolt, who says, The Catlin chapter owned the Sullied to own their unsullied friends by taping their reactions to this chapter in the TV show. Yes. Yes, it did. And she says, Catlin Chapter owns social media. Oh, wow. Both owns for the for the Catlin Chapter. Catlin Chapter owns okay. social media <laughs> for making everyone want to watch Game of Thrones after the Red Wedding episode aired. And everyone put up reaction videos after that. Many more people started watching the show, including myself. So yeah. Heather, I believe, is saying that she actually saw the reaction videos and was inspired to watch the show because, you know, yeah. what, what good show could possibly cause this, you know, kind of feeling in people. Well, I mean, it wasn't exactly... <laughs> You know, a good feeling. Uh, yeah, a feel good. Uh, so what we're piece. saying is, the large swath of the Game of Thrones audience are are bleeding masochists. Yeah, I was going to say, want what is Heather in into? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it makes sense, though. Essentially, what's happened is a larger piece of the population was exposed to it due to the viral success of these reaction videos, and the viral success of these reaction videos reached people that maybe wouldn't have been reached by traditional, non-traditional forms of advertising uh, for Game of Thrones. So pretty well done on all camps seeing this come to be. And then obviously it did great for the overall fandom because the more diversity, the better, I think. Yep. <laughs> I agree. Well, Ariana Quiano says, Catlin chapter. My uncle is the Catlin because she effing told them so. Arya's chapter, <laughs> own goes to the hound for being so quick all the time, for saving Arya, even if she didn't want to be saved. Uh, we also heard from Reese Palazzolo, who says, I have been rereading A Song of Ice and Fire and have frankly been trying to catch up with you guys uh, in A Storm of Swords before the offseason begins. Let's just say I failed miserably. <laughs> so it looks like I'm going to have to wing it. Uh, oh, Catalan chapter will have to go to the reigns of Castamere for beginning the chaos that is the Red Wedding. For the Arya chapter, my own will go to the Hound. For that end to the chapter where we are not sure what the f flipping hell he had done to Arya. <laughs> that was well read, Micah. Well well read. <laughs> Don't know what the flipping hell. God, if he flipped his axe, if his axe, like, if he threw his axe from afar. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> right? Flipping flipping hell. And then we heard from Colton under or Colton. <laughs> Col then we He's heard a from droid. <laughs> Colton, Roos, Roos Colton Underwood. Uh, there you go. Catelyn Owen, owned to whatever in George R. R. Martin's childhood, scarred him so much he would make him do this to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Arya, owned to the drum for still beating as a heart might. Oh, as a heart might. Oh. Just as Arya, whom I see as the current heart of the Starks, keeps on pumping. All Gotta right. keep it pumping, pumping, pumping. All right. Can I just say, I've been looking forward to reading these owns for probably like two years now. So this feels great. As <laughs> yeah. I move on to Duan Cadre, which I'm sorry for ruining your name. Catelyn Chapter Own goes to Catelyn. Hmm. Because she was a badass mother and was trying to save her son. For Arya, 
It goes to Arya because I really wanted to see her. I really wanted her to see her mom. So sad. So sad. And then Mike Burns says, my own for the Red Wedding chapter could have gone to Catelyn for saving Rob at the last second by flipping a table and grabbing her machine gun and mowing down all the phrase <laughs> Rambo style. Or to Grey Wind for breaking out of his cage and flying through the window and getting Roose Bolton right in the throat. Or to Rob for sauntering up to Lord Frey as he crawled away from his fallen men as Rob whispers in his ear, Looks like winter came early, and elbow drops Lord <laughs> Frey, who explodes on the <laughs> But that didn't happen, so I guess I'll give my own to the great John. You'll find out why later on. Wink, emoticon. Oh, shit, what? Oh, okay, okay. I love okay, how I people, you just, dancing, Mike people just take this opportunity to spoil us, like, slightly. He didn't spoil like, you. Uh, the great John, I guess, well, I predicted in this episode that the great John was killed. He just left like, the room. Yeah, but he left the room with Roslyn over his shoulder. Clearly somebody's watching Edmure. Clearly there are guards wherever he's going. She's so tiny. She's so little. <laughs> he was so drunk, and he was impressed by that. He's like, look how big I am. Yeah. Oh, great, John. Oh, man. Wow. Well, uh, we got a, a bit of a, an anti-own from Marianne, who very truthfully scrawled upon our wall and said, there are no owns for these two chapters. There are only tears, blood, and howling nerd pain. <laughs> very very true unfortunately very, that is true, yeah. true. <sighs> from christina v klein well here we are how can anything other than treachery own the red wedding i do wonder what rob was about to say to catelyn about Greywen before she interrupted him also catelyn did not care she had lived too long and ned was waiting at least we have some wolf and hound action to ease the tension after that. But the Arya chapter is even more tragic. You know the sound Wesley makes when Prince Humperdinck turns the torture machine all the way up? Yeah. <laughs> That's how this felt the first time I read it. Own? Hound. For picking up on the plot right away and taking care of business. And of Arya. When you've had to be involved in as much shady evil as he has in the past, you know the feeling of a bad situation. Okay, off-season, dot, dot, dot. Go or goo. One of those two. <laughs> I don't know which one it's supposed to be. Pamela Carion says, tell your father I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Does she? Uh, she no, she that? didn't. She actually says, Red Wedding Aria chapter. Oh, okay. Owen goes to Squire Aria for tossing the hound's okay. helmet high and fast yes. enough for him to catch it, don it, and start killing knights. Great. He's such an ingrate. He didn't have to hit her in the back of the head with an axe. Love you guys. Pamela. A.K.A. Pluisa. Hey. Uh, Red Wedding Cat Chapter Own goes to Little John Umber for throwing a table over his king. I agree. And usually that wouldn't get her known. Usually that would get you in trouble. But in this moment. <laughs> you didn't crush him with the table. Happen. Yeah, he was he was quick. He was just like, that was like a knee jerk reaction, right? Everybody's like really drunk. But as soon as the arrow started to fly, he, he got cover. He created cover. There was no cover there. They purposely took away. Uh, all the extra armaments and things that you could hide behind, but he used a table. Way to improvise, Great John. Or Little John. Way to improvise, <laughs> Little John. And for those of you of the 140 character restricted variety, we got Twitter. From Andriana Castle, own goes to the Sullied, who, like the Boltons, Freys, and Lannisters, kept the Red Wedding a secret from the Unsullied. Mm. I'd like to reflect that on. Thank you to the Sullied for not spoiling us. Much appreciated. We also heard from Trisha Dragonstone, who says, hashtag Red Wedding Owns. 
goes to George for the most impactful, shocking, gut-wrenching, and mesmerizing two chapters ever written in any book. Nicholas Eng, at Real Nicholas Eng on Twitter, says, Never really liked Rob or Catelyn in books or TV series, so a three-part own to Walder Frey, Bruce Bolton, and Tywin (laughs) Lannister. Okay. Okay. We've got a Lannister on our hands. We've got a Slytherin on our hands. Uh, Or that. From Ulrika, one of our... Chosen few in the small council. Own goes to Catelyn for breaking my heart with her plea for Rob's life. He is my son, my first son, and my last. Let him go. Uh, I can feel the tears from here. Aiden says my own goes to the fray whose job it was to get the Karstarks drunk. Really helping the cause. (laughs) Oh, yes. Mario Dalio. Uh, also writes in and says, my own goes to Walter Frey because he owned the whole North. Gosh, I keep getting the bad guys. It's true. Dank memes writes in. <laughs> <laughs> my own goes to Greywin for being Rob's last words. Also, did Rob work into Greywind? Hmm. Hmm. Well, th- I don't think it worked cool. out too well at the end of the day either because uh, right. Greywind's missing his head. Oh, yeah. So is Rob. Anyway, uh, Kenny Nelson says, My Red Wedding Owns goes to the musicians who managed to entertain and execute flawlessly. hey Very nicely done. And Steffers has an own that I agree with. Uh, owned for Catelyn Dacey fucking Mormont for smashing someone in the, place, <laughs> in the face with a flagon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The and, best. And, of course, uh, we, we mentioned this in our analysis. Very poignant. Owen for Arya, George R. R. Martin for that chilling parallel between Arya and Micah running from the Hound. And we also got a couple of emails. Contact at GameOfOwns.com is the way you can email us. The first from our good friend Nick Hartley, who says, My own for Catelyn goes to Great John Umber. From the moment way back in A Game of Thrones when he shouted, King of the North, Rob was in over his head. If he had simply called the banners and rode south without breaking from the crown, he would be the Warden of the North, with Ice Hole and Winterfell wouldn't be in ruins. Breaking his vow to Walder Frey was a bad decision, but rebelling against Tywin Lannister was fatal. My own for Arya goes to the Hound. Uh, Despite knowing that with what looks to be the last of her family dead, and thus her worth in ransom worthless, he saves her anyway. Sandra Clegane might not be the first person you think of when it comes to honor, but maybe it should be. Nick Hartley mm. does not so. No, he does not. He does not Thank so. You, we, we also heard from Ida Askoff, our longtime listener, who says, been listening to your show for about two years now, and I've loved every minute of it. I'm from Denmark, but I'm living in France at the moment, and all my books are in Denmark, so unfortunately I can't give specific own, but instead I'm going to give my own to the entire Red Wedding chapter for owning me. I read A Storm of Swords about a year ago, and I read the Red Wedding chapter while on a plane from Copenhagen to Stockholm. I started crying while reading the last few paragraphs, and the woman next to me on the plane asked what was wrong in Swedish, and so I had to explain in the very poor Swedish Danish that two of my favorite characters in my favorite book series had just been killed in a gruesome bloodbath and she just looked at me like I was absolutely insane which retrospectively I completely understand anyway that's my crazy red wedding story thanks for the podcast keep up the good work and can't wait to hear your opinions on season five man crying on a plane at least somebody has written in and told us where they were when they first read this and they read Mm. it first I'm sorry that it 
made you feel so sad. And I'm sorry you freaked out that lady next to you. <laughs> yeah, sorry to the lady next to you. Because we're um, sure she listens to the show, too. Last but not least, one of the best usernames of all time, Zen Timberwolf writes in, very calm, cool, and collect. My own goes to Small John Umber for trying to save Rob in the midst of chaos. And I think fitting, guys, the last line of our listener owns for the Red Wedding, the North remembers. It does. Damn it, there Zen. Are still All those men that die have women and children back home who will not forget what just happened. The North remembers, fellas. We're glad that so many of you did your homework, though. These have been some really excellent owns. Yes. Yeah. Great to finally be here. Yeah. We appreciate all of your ownage that you sent in in a multitude of ways. Facebook, Twitter, and email. Those are the primary ways that you can uh, reach out to us. But there is another way. From time to time, if you feel so inclined, you can head on over to iTunes, where you can rate and review the show. Uh, we are just two weeks away-ish from the uh, start of Season 5. So um, heading on over there and letting us know, and not just us, but other prospective potential listeners know what you think of the show, um, is much appreciated by us. Uh, of course, it is the month of March, so nothing less than five stars is acceptable. That's just the way that it works. I, you know, don't ask me. It's an Apple thing. <laughs> it is an Apple thing. It is. Uh, Those perfectionist bastards. So as always, we do Apple appreciate uh, you taking the time to um, rate and review the show. Well, we made it here, guys. <sighs> Red wedding is over. But but now that we're done with the on season, we go to the off season. But it's it's actually the season of the show. Yeah, that's a strange way to look at it. The other on season. Do you remember? And I'm talking to you, listener, at home, in the car, mm -hmm. walking your pet animal, etc. Do you remember we see around you. a year ago when we very excitedly fell into this on season, this season of the show without the TV series to guide us, this loose raft in the middle of a very large body of water? Where will it go? Where will the waves take us? With only a compass being the book, a storm of swords to guide our way, we've made it. And now we've reached the end. It's kind of a, an interesting feeling, guys. We've approached and reached the point where a new season is about to begin. And uh, we've been here all these years. And I feel like the time between the last was very, very small. And I, I'm almost already worried about how short the next will feel. But I look forward to it. And I'm excited to do it with you guys. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Gosh. It, it, we, you know, we, I remember going into this book for the first time knowing full well that many people consider this to be the best book and it really has been kind of my favorite reading experience going through. I mean, you get Jamie, I think point of views for the first time as well. And, and he was a heck of a lot of fun to read coming off of his escape uh, in the previous book. So I, I think that um, this book and we're, I love the fact that we're still only uh, a little bit more than halfway through this book, because this book is the highest praise. It gets the highest praise from, from book readers. So I'm glad that we're not done with it yet. And we're going to have what's probably going to be the best season so far uh, in the show to, to to watch and inform even more of our feedback from, you know, what's to come. Absolutely. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say any more because I'll get accused of leading people on. Micah, you lead too many people on. You fuck you. <laughs> you Zen Timberwolf you. Uh, I like that name. <laughs> Zen Timberwolf. <laughs> Not too bad. Not That's too his bad. sigil. That's a stripper name. House Tannenbaum, <laughs> Zen Timberwolf. But actually, one place that I am able to talk uh, relatively freely, at least 
at certain times is over on our Patreon, where we do occasionally have um, some spoilerish content uh, for those who are, of course, sullied and uh, contribute uh, regularly to the show. You know, our Patreon really uh, is something I think that we enjoy doing right you know there's a lot of bonus content uh, from the show that's available over there uh there's chapter readings uh that we do including one eric and i uh did not that long ago yeah. of the red wedding so yes, it's very we timely up for it it's uh, awesome. it required to be in the same room uh, with each other we couldn't allow it to be done over the internet uh, oh. so uh you know our uh, patreon subscribers can of course, look forward to that, uh, as well as uh, something we do with our small council um, every month, which is a, a Google Hangout, uh, which is great in terms of getting to know the members of the small council, as we refer to them, and uh, getting a little insight into uh, what they do on a regular basis, getting to talk thrones with them offline a little bit. And uh, you know, we appreciate uh, all the people out there who support the show, if you'd like to support the show. Uh, we encourage you to go over there. You're not in any way obligated to do so. Remember, this is a free fucking show, after all. <laughs> As I've stated to certain individuals who shall certain remain nameless. Individuals. Yeah, no, really, uh, we made a decision a long time ago not to bog down the podcasts with advertisements that would distract from the show's content or things in general that we just, you know, didn't feel like doing. We wanted to keep the the rhythm and flow as it is, and uh, make sure that all of the efforts put forward in regard to the growth, in regard to what we're able to technically do within this program and this community that you're all a part of are driven by you, which we feel is the most personally satisfying situation. And we thank all of you who have joined us on this journey. This year has been so much fun so far. Last year was incredible. The on-season was, like I said, much shorter than we all thought, but I feel like we've left it a really great spot. There's lots of emotions that are still very high, and we'll be very excited to jump back into the book once the plate is cleared some. Mm -hmm. But boys, I know that the plate is about to be very, very full in it many is. different ways. We have a few weeks until the start of next season. And between now and then, a few very special episodes we're excited to bring we will reconvene next week at the uh same bat time same bat channel uh we'll be joined by some special guests and uh yeah. we look forward to uh it's gonna be fun you hearing from <laughs> them and of course uh as we near the season premiere date on mm -hmm. april 12th uh i know we are planning on an episode to take a look back at season four since it's been a while since we've Doo -doo 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 -doo. seen season four uh you know we've been so studious in reading our our storm of swords and uh taking a look ahead to season five uh, maybe we can come up with some theories as to what's going to happen who will live who dies who falls in love and how the adventure finally ends this is exciting fellas <laughs> we have a, a small gap between the on season and the show season this is going to be interesting what perils will await us
Recording. Test. Recording. Dee, do, 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 do. I like that music. Do, do, do. Yeah. Keep singing. Mm-hmm.